It is Thursday, October 5th. I'm Scott Sadenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The MLB postseason rolls on to the divisional round. And week five of the NFL gets underway. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The brooms were out in the wild card round of Major League Baseball. Thursday night football kicks off week five of the NFL season. We also have college football tonight as well, AJ, but the Vegas lead is going to be the Major League Baseball postseason. And as you mentioned, the brooms were out. We will not have any game threes on the schedule today in Major League Baseball. The wild card round is over. Rangers beating the Rays 7-1. Twins shut out the Blue Jays 2-0. Diamondbacks over the Brewers 5-2. And the Phillies a 7-1 win over the Marlins. Any of those results yesterday shock you? The Rays. I mean, this was a team, remember, um, the first month of the season, this was the best team in baseball. They were an unstoppable force. Um... You know, they they added Tyler Glasnow as the season went on and somehow, some way they end up in a first round exit, which, you know, I know they had some some other injuries uh, hit them, you know, throughout the season. But man, for, for this team that was so hot to start the season and, and looked like they were just the most complete team, uh, a team that had a ton of experience to go out with such a whimper was that was surprising to me. Yeah, and the lack of scoring was surprising. And, you know, they got shut out in game one. They scored just one run here in game two, and that run didn't come until late. I mean, you were looking at them, the potential of them being shut out for, you know, nine uh, nine innings in game one, and then the first six innings of game two yesterday. It was embarrassing for the Rays. And what was more embarrassing was the lack of fans in attendance for these games. Yeah, I mean, it, there was just no one there, which is is just crazy. Uh, you know, they, they were saying it's like the lowest attended playoff game since 1917 or something like that. Just a, a an embarrassment. And I know they're looking for a new stadium. I get it. But boy, yeah, I mean, show up for your squad. It, it's uh, it, it was very strange. I, another thing that was missing from the game was, you know, Wander Franco, who they didn't really like, – wasn't really mentioned a lot in the broadcast, I guess, for obvious reasons, but mm-hmm. just a guy who was like a one of their stars and is just n- not around. And it's it's another blow to a team that he was a big reason why they had so much success early on. So uh, just a, a season that started so promising to end how it did is just it, – it's wild, but it's just disappointing for that franchise, certainly. The Rangers are the first team to open a postseason with consecutive road wins by four or more runs since the 2010 Rangers, who also (laughs) did it against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, The Minnesota Twins complete their first sweep in postseason franchise history. They had lost nine consecutive rounds entering this year. We mentioned the eight. Game postseason losing streak, and now they are on to the divisional round to take on the Houston Astros. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what your takeaways were from the Twins, but I, I, I was impressed. Uh, their pitching, I thought, was outstanding in this series. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously the Astros lineup is a, a different beast to deal with, 
but it, the Blue Jays really just didn't show up. Like it, this was, it, you talk about teams squandering talent and like having having a bunch of talent and not getting anything done with it. The Blue Jays and the Padres are the teams that come to mind when you say that. Sure, sure, um, absolutely. It just you you load up and everybody's like, wow, look look at these signings they're making, and then. They, to, again, a team that had all this promise to go out with a whimper like that. And honestly, I, I think the Blue Jays were a better team than the Twins. Uh, like, I mean, obviously not in this series, but I, I would take the Blue Jays roster over the Twins roster. Twins just had the better of them this week. And, you know, back to the drawing board for Toronto. Try to I, I know they're not putting all that money into it to not try to win a championship, but, mm-hmm. man, it's an uphill climb. To, get at, to, to make the playoffs out of that division alone, where the Yankees and the Red Sox spend so much money. Uh, the Rays are obviously such a, a well-built organization. And now the Orioles are this upstart with all this young talent. Like the Blue Jays are really, they're in a battle. Like it, it's its a very difficult thing for them to to get to this point and for it to just be two games and done. Got to be a massive disappointment. The Diamondbacks, they're such a fun team to watch. They become the fourth team to overcome a multi-run deficit in each of their first two postseason games, joining the 2009 Yankees, the 2008 Rays, and the 1956 Dodgers. But those three teams did so at home. The Diamondbacks doing it on the road as they come from behind to win both games against the Brewers. 5-2 was the win last night. Zach Gowan winds up going six innings, allowing just two runs. Both runs came in the bottom of the first inning, and he locked it down from then on. And Freddie Peralta, who started game two because of the injuries that they were dealing with for the Brewers, he winds up giving up four runs on three hits in five innings. Yeah, tough break for the Brewers, who got to the playoffs, won the division. A lot of people thought they were going to blow it at some point. Obviously, they weren't favored to win it to begin the season. And then people were talking about it, 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 at the beginning of the season, they were talking about the freaking Pirates. Uh, and then it was, you know, the Reds are playing so much better. The Cubs, I mean, obviously the Cardinals never hinted at making the playoffs, though they were mm-hmm. the preseason favorites. Brewers kind of came out of nowhere, had this great season. And when they showed up at the playoffs, they weren't 100%, never really had a chance. And, uh, you know, in both games, staked themselves to an early lead and just couldn't hold on, could could produce no offense in the late innings, which has got to be frustrating. Yeah, it- you know, and they they choose to leave a guy like Rowdy Telez off the postseason roster. I'm sure he could have provided an offensive boost if you use him as a pinch hitter later in the games. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see what happens with this Brewers organization moving forward because David Stearns, the architect, the guy who's built this team over the past several years, he is now running the New York Mets as they hired him away from the Brewers. So I'm very curious to see what the future holds for Milwaukee. I, I see more and more teams doing that, leaving – like a, a hitter off the postseason roster so they can have more pitching, more pitching because mm-hmm. they're so scared to let, you know, let this guy go through the order more than once. Like if they see him once, they're going to hit him the next, like just play baseball, man. I'm a big believer in just play baseball. Like if, if you played this way for the entire season and it got you to the playoffs, play baseball, you know, mm-hmm. you're not pulling your pitcher after four innings in the regular season because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you're like you, you pay your starting pitchers the most money because they're the best pitchers. Have them out there, lean on them, and instead they're like, "Oh, we got to carry this extra bullpen arm." Eh, sorry, Rowdy, you're out. I know you've you've hit some bombs for us the last couple of years. Eh, it's just we're not going to need that here. We just need a, we need we're going to need an extra two thirds of an inning uh, in game three, which game three ends up not happening. So, yeah, I don't like the way that, that these managers are, are handling their rosters in the postseason. I, I hate that move. 
But again, it's just uh, it, they didn't show up a complete team, which is a bit of a bummer for them. But like you said, they made some decisions of their own that are, are probably mm-hmm. questionable. The Phillies take care of the Marlins. And good, remember man. how I remember how I said Zach Wheeler should have went seven shutout innings because there was the play, the ground ball to first that no yep. one was covering the bag, and then the ground ball to third that, you know, uh, Bohm couldn't get out of his glove, and it really should have been. Should have got out of it with seven shutout innings. Well, Aaron Nola said, don't worry, I got you. Seven shutout innings from Nola as the Phillies win seven to one, a combined 11 to two in the two games in this series. And it sets up a rematch with the Atlanta Braves and the Phillies are just rolling right now and they can't wait for this rematch. So wait, Nola pitched seven innings. That seven means, shutout innings. That means he would have seen a batter three times. Like, I mean, what? How, and they didn't, they didn't score any runs off of that. That's crazy. Maybe because Aaron Nola's really good at pitching. Uh, I, I mean, it, this Phillies team, this is the team that I thought at the beginning of the playoffs, this is the team I picked to win. Uh, I, I think that they're the team. This this feels like a, a squad. It feels that, like it. It feels like it. You know, this, we've seen it happen a couple of times in history, right? We saw the uh, we saw the Royals do it. We saw um, the Astros do it, lose the World Series, come back the next year and win it. So uh, th- this feels like th- there's a lot going on with this Phillies team. They got a lot going for them. There's not a lot of teams in these playoffs that have the kind of one-two punch at the top of the rotation that they've got. And mm-hmm. th- that includes, I mean, the Dodgers, you know, who they, you know, they would presumably play if they got to an NL CS. Dodgers may have the worst pitching or some of the worst pitching in, in the playoffs. Like it's for them to have those two guys at the top. And we kind of talked you know, about some teams over the course of the season. Like if they go into the playoffs with these guys, it's dangerous. And most of those teams ended up not making the playoffs or one of those pitchers got hurt. And that was the case for Tampa. Remember we were talking about Tampa having two legit aces and, you know, injuries happen, but this, this Phillies team seems like they've got the guns. Uh, They've got the guys at the top of the rotation who can, who can lead them. And their lineup solid. They, they, they've got exp- the only thing that worries me is again the same thing that worried me last year. They're a horrific defensive team. Uh, they're well, better this year. They're better this, this year. year. They're but a lot talk, better this year. You talked about they're Alec so Bohm not being able year. to get the ball out of his glove. Like he might be he's the worst still, defensive still, third baseman. No, they 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 are with Bryson Stott at second, with Turner at short. They are an elite defensive team this year. They're I don't think they're good. elite. I, you can't be elite when you have a guy playing first base who's never played first base before. You have a third oh, baseman he's who's turning. He's turning into a first baseman. That does not make an elite defense. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> you know. But all right, we'll agree to disagree on that. All right, let's look at. Uh, let's get. I'm going to try to look at defensive runs saved uh, this season in Major League Baseball. So let's go fielding wise. Um, okay, uh, defensive runs saved. Let's see. Philly. Oh, I got to keep going down the list to find them. Yeah, they're 25th in is that baseball good? and defensive runs saved. But I got to look by by position. That's, that's all the right, thing. All you right. got to look by position, right? Because some how of their guys. How about we just call them average? <laughs> it, like, I okay. won't, we, They're not horrific, but they're certainly not elite. Can we agree on that? All right. I, fine. Agree, agree on that. Uh, let's take a look at the odds now for the divisional round, which will begin on Saturday. Again, th- there's a couple of days off here because – we had game threes that were supposed to be played uh, today, so we will not have games today, and then teams were going to have the off day on Friday. So game one of all four series will be on Saturday. Here's what we know in terms of the series odds. 
the Astros minus 170 over the Minnesota Twins. The Orioles and Rangers split minus 110 both ways. The Braves minus 165 over the Phillies. And the Dodgers minus 215 over the Diamondbacks. Oh, that's a heavy price on them. What's What's the number on the Phillies? The Phillies are plus 140, Braves minus 165. Boy, that Brave or that Phillies number is tempting. So is the Orioles. I think there's that. That's the two value plays. I, I think people, because they've got that stupid bird on their hat, people are used to mm-hmm. the Orioles being a trash can organization, and they're just this is a different Orioles team. These guys are good, um, and I'm not saying that the the Rangers can't beat them. They certainly can. I mean, the Rangers just beat the Rays, but you don't win the AL East the, the way the Orioles did by accident. Mm-hmm. Like this is a really good team. And for them to be, have home field advantage, have their rotation set up the way they want it, and for it still to be a pick that just feels a little disrespectful to me. Um, I do think there is a, a, you know, an inert advantage for the teams that just that, that have been sitting at home because their pitching is in order the way they want it. You know, like Philly just used their two best guys. Which yeah, means- and it's gonna be it'll be Spencer Strider against Ranger Suarez on Saturday. Right. The Braves are minus two hundred five. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not it, the the teams that have rest have an advantage in that way, um, but for the Orioles, that just feels like a cheap number. And the Phillies, obviously, I, I mean, you, you you assume you assume Wheeler's going to pitch game two. I guess He'll game three game at the worst. Yep. Okay, no, it'll be so, it'll it'll be Wheeler game two and Nola game three. Okay, I mean, you, you're still going to get if it comes down to it, you get those guys twice in the series each. And well, that's the thing. That's that's why this pitching actually winds up to work out for them because you can get Wheeler and Nola in two, three, six, and seven. Yeah, and then you'll have Ranger Suarez in game one and five, and then game four you probably go to Michael Lorenzen, a guy who's thrown a no hitter this year. So if I'm looking for a DraftKings dog of the day, I, I would say it's the Phillies at plus one forty. Uh, but I, I also Taiwan think Walker. I forgot yeah. about him. Uh, but I also think there's value on, on this uh, this Orioles team that everyone just seems to be wanting to overlook because mm-hmm. they don't have the brand name that all the rest of these teams in the playoffs have. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, also, previewing this round of the playoffs, Josh Towers, former Major League pitcher, will join me as we record uh, Friday morning. We'll record a, a divisional round preview episode of the Major League Baseball podcast, so you can get that right here on the Straight Out of Vegas podcast feed, get you ready for these four series, which begin on Saturday. Thursday Night Football will kick off week five of the NFL season tonight with the Washington Commanders hosting the Chicago Bears. The Commanders are six-point favorites, AJ. Total of 44.5. Do you have an early lean on this game tonight? Well, my early lean is the over, which is concerning because obviously we've talked before about primetime unders. Seems That seems to way, be the way to go, but... Mm-hmm. These defenses are just so awful. I, I mean, both of them really. The commanders were supposed to be really good coming into the season. They haven't been. The Bears were bad last year. They, I, I don't know if they're worse this year, but they're just as bad this year. And Sam Howell's coming off a game where it looks like maybe he's starting to figure things out. He should have some success against his Bears team. I, I don't know, man. It, I I normally like to to stick with the – you know, if you can get a, a home dog and an under on Thursday night football, that's the way to go. 
I, I don't see that here. This this feels this feels like a high scoring game. I don't know if I'll play it just because that the, the trends of these Thursday or these Thursday night unders have been so strong. But mm-hmm. that's the only way I'd look is is the under or is the so over. RJ, I'm sorry. So RJ Bell gave an incredible stat uh, earlier or last night when we recorded the um, the the dream preview. If you played on overtime last week, which the Commanders did and then you play on Thursday night, and your opponent is coming off of a regular game, they did not play in overtime. So you played in overtime, the Commanders did, the Bears did not play in overtime, now it's a Thursday night, the teams that did not play in overtime, 22-3 and three against the spread. Like 20-2-3? No, 22 covers and three losses. Wow. Which means that the Bears would be looking like the team to play on that 22 and 3 against the spread That's trend because 88%. of the commanders coming off of because of the commanders coming off of overtime. There's That's also pretty... this trend. You know, Thursday home teams traditionally do well. Uh well, that's kind of an old school mentality because since 2020, Thursday night home teams 19 and 30 against the spread. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I like Washington because Chicago sucks. Um, we we did our Thursday same game parlay pod last night, and Fez and I came up with a parlay that has to do with Washington winning this game. And, and speaking of Fez, here to help us break down this Thursday night and also a little Fezic focus is the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Mr. Steve Fezic. Good morning, Fez. What a great job they did selecting this Thursday night game. I'm sure we're all looking forward to this one. Yeah, well, it's hopefully better than the Monday night game that we saw between the Giants and the Seahawks, which through the first half, I tweeted out one thing, one sentence, and that was it. And then I didn't tweet the rest of the night. All I said was, this game sucks. (laughs) That's how I feel about Hopefully I don't feel that way about tonight. Being a New York football fan... It uh, it looks a little bleak, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No need to get into that, Fez. <laughs> but let's talk about the Commanders and the Bears. Let's start with Washington. Last week's performance against the Philadelphia Eagles. Did that change your opinion on this team? Did it change your opinion on Sam Howell? It uh, did. I upgraded Washington by one. I guess, yeah. Directionally, it changed my opinion because I had them as a bad team, and now I have them as a well below average team at two and a half points worse than average. Real inspired effort. They did beat the Eagles last year, right? So let's mm-hmm. not overreact to one data point. My number one takeaway is it's two. I believe it's twenty twenty three. Am I correct there? It is twenty twenty three. Yes. Are we sure? Yes. Have we double it's, verified it? It is for the next couple of months. Why in the year twenty twenty three are we still having coaches making decisions? There should be an analytics head guy who has an analytics team, yes. three or four guys working for him. And, hey, Ron, you're the underdog. There's less than 30 seconds left. We're going for two. It's a no-brainer. Boom. A couple of things here. And I've talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas. Uh, we talked about it. Mackenzie and I did on the recap pod that we did on Monday night. Look at you cracking open one early. Uh, and Ron Rivera said the reason why he did not go for two was because his offense was gassed. Which, if that's your excuse, that's your excuse. I was always told there's one reason and one reason only to not go for two in that situation. And that's if you believe you can win the game in overtime. And how do you know if you're going to win in overtime? If you're favored. Exactly. And if you're the if you're if the you, If you think that you have depth issues, injuries, fatigue, 
if your offense is gassed, then you got to go for two. Then, then you're you're basically telling me that you don't think you can win in overtime. You don't think you can because you know what happened? They got the ball first in overtime, and what did they do? Three and out. Yeah, if you can't get two yards, it's going to be hard to get. Here, here's yards. here's what I said on straight out of Vegas. If your excuse was that your offense was gassed, then what you should have done was taken the delay game penalty. Hmm. Get pushed back five yards. Ten one play times. One, no, just one play <laughs> no, from no. the seven-yard line. Because guess what? When you're pushed back from the two to the seven, it's actually a little easier to score. It isn't. It, no, it's, well, a, it's a myth. It's a little easier because the no. defense is not as bunched up. You're running a pass play anyway, sure. Fez. No, you're not taking. You're not running the ball. See now you've joined. You're running a pass play. Now you joined the announcers' union, where they like to say stuff like this. But like, believe me, analytically, it, it simply isn't true. It it has the appearance that you're right that the field has more, but it takes. The problem is it takes away the run. You can't run. Sure, the but ball they weren't anymore. running the ball anyway from the two yard yeah, line on they, that play. But the other team doesn't know that. I so. understand that, but what it also does is it takes away his own defense. The, the 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 bottom line is the second that they go out to kick the extra point, in in live wagering, the the Eagles Philly are, is my, Philly's, minus two Philly's like minus one twenty. Yeah, and no, then boom, more than that, more and, than that. And then as soon as they kick, mm-hmm. Philly's like minus one eighty. Yeah, I mean, it's like literally, it's not even. Everybody knows, everyone knows, but mm-hmm. the head coaches and the announcers, because the announcers belong into the in the to the announcers union that doesn't allow taking risks, and the coaches just you know their their analysis is. Do I think I'm going to make this yes or no? Which is, I mean, you're going to make it 44 to 48. You're going to make it 44 to 51 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. All right. If in bad situations when your offense is gassed and you don't have a good play, you're probably only going to make it 43 percent. That's still great compared to overtime. I agree. I would have went for it 100 times out of 100. And and like I said, if his excuse was my offense was gassed because they just went down the field and scored with no time left on the clock, take your 40 seconds, take your delay game penalty. And get pushed back to the because you had no timeout. Take get pushed back and then just run the play. Yes. And and I think they would have had a better chance to win than going three and out and then not seeing the football again in overtime because the Eagles just marched right down the field. So let's take a look at the Commanders now against the Bears. I think the Bears defense is a real problem. This team blew a twenty-one-seven lead against the Denver Broncos and ruined the best game that Justin Fields has played in a in over a year. Well, Justin Fields kind of ruined it with two egregious mistakes late in the game. Uh, the fumble six. Mm-hmm. But I agree. The defense absolutely did their part to lose the game. And so, you, may, you know, kudos to the Bears. You might get the number one and number two picks next year. Well, then they should get rid of Justin Fields. No doubt. Yeah. Yes. So uh, what do you see this game? What do you have it as right now in your power rankings? Um, one second here. I'm, I'm supposed to be prepared with it. Um, on my ratings, the Fez line is minus five and a half. That gives one and a half for Washington for home field. Now, that's light because we like the home team, mm-hmm. typically on Thursday. And the last thing I want is a quarterback that's not buttoned up and a head coach that's not buttoned up on a short week when, the, when they're the traveling team. So because of that, if I have to bump five and a half, guess what? That gets me to the current market line, which is six, which means um, I don't see any edge at all. In that category, so I got to look towards props and other ways to wager. You know, it's interesting. We always give the uh, home teams the edge on Thursday nights. It's actually not the case. If you look at the numbers since 2020, Thursday home teams 21 and 34 ATS. Is that right? Yep. And that is that's a very now now if you're just doing just the night games. So we're taking like Thanksgiving out of the equation, and we're just doing the Thursday night games. 19 and 30 ATS. Very interesting. Now, you know, part of it is it's juiced because for for 
Uh, That's for a, a while. good point. That's a good point. So now you're saying that people know the books know that the advantage lies with the home team on Thursday, so they're being juiced a couple of points. So to use an example, it used to be like playing the buy team in the playoffs was a great bet because they would just set the line based upon you know the power ratings. Mm-hmm. And they, so the teams off of a buy kicked butt for years in the 80s and 90s, and they caught up to them with, with extra tax. But that's very – 2134 is not insignificant. I, I know I poo-poo all the time when you say something's 4 and 8, and mm-hmm. I say – you know, I walk by roulette wheels all the time with 4 and 11 runs. Who cares? But 21 and 34, I'm, I'm going to stand up and take notice from that. Uh, I think we're just gambling, trying to play a side. I don't have a feel for um, – you know, it's interesting in the post-game interviews, I did catch a feel – after, after Chicago lost to Denver, I got a very negative Denver feel. I know we're talking about Chicago here. And the negative feel was um, they gave the, the, the ball to the head coach. And they said to Sean Payton, the, I guess it's the general manager, and he, and, and he says, I just want to say we have, as an organization, we still have every confidence in Sean Payton, and this, you know, this is his first win. Wait a minute. We got, like, a Hall of Fame coach, and we have to, like, yeah. we have to Pump tell that? We have to tell that kind of to weird. the team. Yeah. Hey, we still have every confidence that our, guy, and, our coach doesn't suck. And you beat one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. And you, you barely beat one of the worst. But we have teams. every confidence in the translation. We have no confidence. <laughs> and he's already lost the locker room. So so let's let's think about this. We had the, the, the Bears, who played the Broncos, blew the 21-7 halftime lead, lose the game 31-28. The Commanders, earlier this season, went to Denver and played the Broncos and put up 35 points against them. Won the game 35-33. If we're just looking comparatively against a common opponent, don't we like the commanders over the Bears? Well, sure, but we can't do it that way. We, I mean, we, I, mean I mean, the the Bears are the worst team in the NFL, mm-hmm. and you know, and and Washington is. So De- Denver was four point favorites in that game against Washington, and in Chicago, Denver was a three point favorite. So they're saying that Denver would have been. I guess a seven-point favorite at home. Um, no, point and a half for home, and you're on the key number of three, so you get to, you go from three to six. All right. So then, so so, what would the spread be? If you're thinking they were three on the road, so they'd be six at home. Denver would have been all right. Six. So six at home. So that's two points then better than Washington. And if I look at the power ratings comparing Washington to, to Denver, it's um it's a pretty close comp. I got Washington half a point better. But that's saying that the market. Then, if you're looking at those comparative games, you're saying that Washington's two points better than Chicago. Well, I'm saying I, I said Denver should be laying six to Chicago at home, so Washington should be laying six and a half. So I'm basically there. Well, the, uh, what I'm trying to say is that Denver was laying four at home to uh, to Washington. Oh, okay, I'm with you. And so, if they should have been laying six at home to the Bears, well, that was back when people thought Denver. That's a good point. Week two, week two, you thought you know, maybe we Denver... thought Denver was going to win eight and a half games. Now, mm-hmm. now, I mean, we've completely downsized. You know, the Denver power rating. Yeah, because they were a zero. They were considered to be an average team, and now oh. they're you know two and a half points worse. Part of me feels like this three is points a, worse. Part of me feels like this is a trap spot because stop. Now stop! I'm I don't just want saying, to hear the, there is no trap. There's, you, you, there's it, always a trap. No, the it, Chiefs were a trap on Sunday night. Were, did you if, know that? If you did, did you know that, Fez? The Taylor Swift effect, Fez. It's real. I believe it may well. <laughs> it, seriously, it may well be real. All this, all this, you know, go, go, go in the world, world to world, you know, uh, plays, you know, before you go to line of scrimmage and having fun with Taylor Swift and other other guys are just trying to win football games. Um, if you were an odds maker, believe me, you wouldn't say, you know, oh. 
we're going to make this line three instead of – we're going to make it six instead of four and a half, mm-hmm. and that way we'll get people to bet the wrong – believe me, Jeff Benson and, what and I'm the folks to say, What I'm trying to say is – They're just trying to, like, get the number right. What I'm trying to say is doesn't this feel like the public is going to be all over the commanders? Yes. Who is going to – well, you know – yeah, I, I because and now, it's, it's it's a singleton game, and why not make it six and a half? Why not be in front of all this? Because they're, everyone's mm-hmm. going to play money line parlays. Yep. Everyone's going to incorrectly tease Washington. Mm-hmm. They're going to get a tsunami of money. So why not get in front of that and at least front run it on the on the side? And, and, and think about this. And think about this. All four baseball wild card series ended in two games, which means there's no baseball tonight. What? A- it's only. Football tonight. The worst baseball playoffs ever. Or the best, depending on how you bet them. So, yeah. it, it, so but, but as, as far as if you had attendance, Ari- as far as attendance, well, I'm going to go Tampa on record. Yes. I'm going to go on record that there will <laughs> never, unless the format changes, there is no way that there can ever be lower wild card game attendance in the history of baseball going forward. Yes, because unless Tampa is, <laughs> yes, you're right. Uh, unless Oakland hosts a wild card game. But we no. need four sweeps and we need. Yeah. So what I'm saying is standalone game tonight then is going to attract more attention. Public's going to be coming in on Washington. I agree with that. Yes. So perhaps we we hold out, you know, but six and a half is not a very important number. But seven, seven, I, I get interested in if the Bears caught seven. Any feel for the total tonight? First half unders on Thursday night football over the past couple of seasons, 23-13-1, and 64% since 2021. I would lean over. What's, what's the current mark number I don't have, though? Screen in front of me. 44 and a half. Yeah. The, um, just because Justin Fields, remember the, he was supposed to run the ball. That was going to be the narrative. Too, mm-hmm. too robotic. All right. And, and, and the betters translated that to, I'm going to play Fields over for rush yards. Well, that's gone in the toilet. Uh, two sharp moves. No, correction. Two moves on the over. Maybe he should have gotten there week three. Not a prayer week four. Culminating, I might add, it's fourth and one. And you're, and you're a running quarterback. And you have an option. You can give it to your back into a stacked middle trying to pick up one yard, or you can sprint out to the right where you'll have to beat zero or at most one guys. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. would you do? If you- I, I tell people all the time, and I know you're talking about handing it, handing it off to Herbert instead of – I. You could have put your could have, could have put the ball in the hands of Justin Fields, but anyway. Um, well, he, well, he could have. He, that's just true. Just give him the option. Yes, what, but but then he has to. But then he. But then he's being robotic again, thinking. Yes. Maybe that's the, the problem. The play that I I say I say all the time. I never. I don't understand the quarterback sneak. I understand the brotherly shove, the tush push. It works yeah. for the Eagles. But if you sent a wide receiver sprinting in motion, when you're lining up for a quarterback sneak and everyone's bunched in the middle. And you took that snap, turned around, and handed it to that wide receiver running in motion, and all he's got to do is get through the edge. How many times is like what's the percentage on him getting that one yard? He that gets you need? it. He gets it all the time. But also he probably gets it all the time. Yeah, right? but the, but you get it all. All you got to do is fourth and one. Zebra, zebra, and zebra is the, it's the Belichick. But you split out three wide receivers wide. You got to cover them. Yeah, you, you move, move you, defenders out of the middle. Three, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. So you know what? Six on seven. There's always a space. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's played either it's before your time. There used to be an electric football game where you would plug it in and, and, and yes, we know about the electric football game. Okay, and and basically when you put all the players together in the middle, nothing moves, <laughs> and that's what happens when you try to like gain a half a yard on ten against eleven. Do you think Ron Rivera, because of the criticism for not going for two last week, people saying he doesn't deserve to be called Riverboat Ron anymore? You think he's a little bit more aggressive with some calls tonight? No. I don't. I don't think it matters. No, I not think buying it's his, into it. It's his last year, and I don't. And also, it shows 
it's almost like an admission that he was wrong, and mm-hmm. coaches hate to admit that they're wrong. Um, I'd lean over. I got a feeling for, even though, like, you know, maybe because you bring up a good point. So it's been low scoring first halves Thursdays. Maybe we, we'd be cool for a little while. Wait till, like, end of the first quarter and get a scoreless first quarter, play over 36. How about that for a point? That's a good point. I kind of like maybe some points late. You're right, second half points, things like that. Um, while I have you here, let's take a look at this entire spread for week five and help me come up with the survivor pick this week and i want you to not pick detroit miami dolphins no no no, no. don't pick miami the- dolphins detroit's a 10 point miami favorite miami dolphins number one the dolphins are an 11 point favorite over the giants oh detroit's Let's- gonna kill carolina i agree i agree both those are gonna win if we're looking to avoid the top two most highly selected teams this week where would you go? Because the rest of the week seems pretty uh, pretty difficult. Uh, maybe we go to Thursday and just punch in a win right off the bat. I thought about it with Washington. Yeah, and be, because and you brought up a sage point. So Scott's in a survivor pool where um, they don't you're not allowed to play the two biggest spreads of, mm-hmm. of the week. But um, but it also helps you with game theory and people. Yeah, because people don't like to play the Thursday game. They like to analyze. Mm-hmm. You know, they're busy right now. They got they're, they're working for their IBM or their Microsoft right now, and they get they're, <laughs> they're burning the midnight oil. You know, pre, doing their preparations and their conferences, and they don't have time to get their plays and plenty of time for that on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So they won't be getting involved in this game. So maybe take Washington and then just watch everyone sweat on Sunday. Yes, I was thinking the Eagles on Sunday. At the Rams. Uh, no, the Rams could win. Okay. Rams are, I think the Rams are a pretty high-variance team, too. Mm, and Cooper Cup coming back. That's is that, is that for certain? No, well, they expect to have him back. They're hoping to have him back. He's eligible to return off the uh, mm-hmm. off the list here. And, um, yeah, he's designated to return from practice, so he could potentially play. And I wonder how that affects Puka Nakua, who's setting thinking, all types of records. I was thinking the same thing, you know. It's, it, <laughs> who, who's their number three? Uh, Tutu. Atwell? Tutu Atwell. So I, He's I, out of the mix. I, I, I say, and all he does is catch 25-yard passes. So Atwell under for reception sure looks like a winner to me. What, what a great wide receiver room. Puka, Tutu, and Cup. It's like a poo-poo platter. <laughs> <laughs> well, while I have you also, it's the Fezzik Focus each and every Thursday morning here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. I uh, was at the Venetian last weekend. I went to see David Spade and uh, Nikki Glazer. Nice. Tremendous show. She was better than he was. She was fantastic. But um, it was also the same night as U2 at the Sphere. So you could imagine the traffic getting out of there with all, bit, you know, yeah. with all the Sphere stuff. But it wasn't the Sphere that was causing a lot of the traffic on Colval, which is the road that runs parallel to the Vegas Strip, but on the backside, you know, where Ellis Island is and whatnot. It was the Formula One grandstands that was blocking all the lanes and the roads. And all I can think of was, oh, if Fez was here right now, he'd be bitching so much about all of this construction. So Cobalt Lane is down to one. (laughs) (laughs) It's one lane in each direction, all right? And it's a really important artery, you know, when people can't take the strip because that's too crowded. And it's just there's police out there, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like because someone's going to, like, have a, a fit. They can't take it. And, like, they're going to they're gonna go to, to just mental. And on, I, I, was, I went back. I said, you know what? This F1 is a 10-year contract, right? It's actually a three-year contract with an option, apparently, to go 10 years. It's not just one year. So we've been having construction since July. So I did a little uh, correction since April. 
because they have to repave all the roads and build all these grandstands and mm-hmm. do all this because we're going to make zillions of dollars for three days the week before Thanksgiving. I will say this. The one grandstand, like where the race is going to, I guess, start and finish. So where all like the, where the cars will be garaged and then the, the main grandstand, not the not the stands that are going to be along the 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 track, like the main focal point of the start and finish line. Gorgeous. Oh, it's nice. Beautiful. Beautiful construction. It's going to be. It's really cool to look at. It's, it's it's a it's a marvel. It's magnificent. Yeah. So is the Kentucky Derby. So is the Indy Five Hundred. <laughs> and I can watch the whole race and uh, and not have to spend two hours to try. I'm to just get trying there. to give credit to the you know the Vegas Sporting Authority. So whatever. I went back to the research. I got a quote from the head of the Las Vegas um, Convention Convention yeah. Commission Corruption, which I'm sure has lots of buddies in in the corruption in the construction business that are making zillions from all this. While all the the culinary union people are going to strike because they're so fed up with how they're being treated and not being paid enough to have two-hour commutes into into their jobs. The um, his direct quote was, "You know, I don't think anyone's going to notice any tangible difference in traffic during the summer and fall. In fact, I think people are going to like chalk it up to almost like normal road improvements. Uh, you know, they're going to be have to build not pedestrian bridges, car bridges." Yeah. Up and temporary over, overpasses. Temporary mm-hmm. overpasses for cars. Does that sound cheap? Does that mm-hmm. does that sound efficient? Is that going to work? So what you're saying is if you're coming into town in November. You've lost your mind. Avoid the strip. Avoid Las Vegas. Avoid. Stay, <laughs> stay at Red Rock. Stay at Green Valley. Or maybe stay even stay at downtown. But, I mean, I got I to gotta tell you, there is not. Well, I haven't spoken to one person. who I'm going to reach out to everybody out here. Contact me. I want. Your input, if you're in favor of this as a local, if you thought, if you think that this extra three days of revenue is going to make your life better in Las Vegas, you're going to get a huge bonus from work or whatever. Maybe some construction workers because you know the, 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 because they're able to work more. But aside from that, just the people who are like who live here, I haven't spoken to one person. Every single person I, I meet with the Valley guys, they're like, "This is the dumbest idea everywhere." Someone just got bribed through the roof, either directly or through. Um, you know, contracts and stuff for their buddies because so it just makes no sense. The race is going to be uh, the 16th to the 18th of November. Avoid Vegas at but all costs. for the two weeks prior to that, there's going to be an influx of New Yorkers here in Vegas because the Raiders play host to the Giants on the 5th and the Jets on the 12th. And they don't have to build a new stadium on the on the, <laughs> on the actual Las Vegas Strip. We actually have one that's able to, like, handle that without, like, shutting down the Strip. Beautiful. But it makes sense that they, the Raiders are on the road on the 19th. But wait a minute. The New York football fans are, no, it's just just endure. Yeah, but the, the New Yorkers that live here, like me, are going to be at those games. That's true. Fair enough. Thanks, Fez. Thank you. AJ, I got bad news. Um, we started out 0-1. We started out 0-1 in our quest to go 50-0. Although, I'd like a mulligan on this. Because, <laughs> okay. because initially... Initially, um, no, never mind. It would have lost anyway. That Florida international game closed at what forty nine and a half, I think. Yep. Yep. Both yeah, games so ended that, up going over. So that uh, game went over as well. Oh, I ended up. Man. I ended up actually playing uh, the Jacksonville State game. I played Jacksonville State plus three and a half, and I played the under. So I I split my bets. I lost point one units on the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. It looked like. In the first quarter, the first quarter was three to zero. It looked like this was going exactly how I thought it was going to look. And then for one quarter out of the whole season, Middle Tennessee's offense looked serviceable. They put up up 20 points in the second quarter 
they put up 10 points in the rest of the game, but that 20 points was the killer. So, uh, yeah, it ended up, there was in, at the end of the game, it got crazy. There ended up being some pick sixes. It was nonsensical. Uh, but yeah, Jacksonville state impressive five and one. Think about that. A team that just came up, you know, from FCS, Mm -hmm. they're now five and one, three and oh in conference. Like this is a hell of a start for Jacksonville state. I knew that their defense was going to be strong coming into the season. The big question was about their offense and they've got Webb running around a little bit at quarterback. He had over 100 yards rushing last night. Uh, they're they're an interesting team. They're tough, man. And, you know, obviously it, it kind of stinks that they're not going to be bowl eligible because at five and one, it looks like they're headed towards bowl eligibility. The mm-hmm. stupid rules of the NCAA don't allow it. But just a, a really impressive start for a team that, again, they've been really good in FCS. But to make that jump and be this good right away is is very impressive. Sure looks like a rich rod offense to me, yep. uh, putting up the 45 points. Um, and in the other game, New Mexico State, we said if there was one quarterback we trusted in this game, it was going to be uh, Diego Pavia. He threw for two touchdowns. He ran for another New Mexico State with a 34-17 win over FIU. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have him there when he's not pissing on the football field. He's, uh, you know, he's a pretty <laughs> solid player. Uh, no, actually, he's been he's been a hit or miss this season. And this looked yeah. like the Diego Pavia that we saw last year that we thought, man, this this is why this team could be something. Uh, so New Mexico State, who early in the season, I was convinced like maybe they 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 lost so much that it looked like they were going to be a really bad football team. Three and three right now, you know, halfway through the uh, through the season they're, they're, they they got to be pretty happy with that. Well, we got two games on the schedule tonight. Let's start things off with Sam Houston at Liberty. Liberty laying a big number here, 21 points at home. We have a 4-0 team against an 0-4 team. Yeah, Sam Houston, we're speaking of former FCS powers, uh, hasn't hasn't been that good uh, of a transition for them as they've come to the FBS. They're they can't run at, the football. They're sitting at 0-4. They can't really score, period. Um and their defense has been really strong. Uh, the, the offense, though, 10 points in the first three games. Last week, they scored 28 points, which was nice. Still lost. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty ugly situation there. Uh, they're, they're really solid um, against the run. Uh, but against the pass, maybe a different thing. And Liberty, with Jamie Chadwell, they haven't really missed a beat. Uh, 40 points per game. Uh, they've, they've been mm-hmm. excellent throwing the football around. Um, this, it's a big number, certainly, uh, remember this line, it opened at 17 and a half. Now it's, wow. it's, it's getting up there. Uh, but I, I, I don't think I can take Sam Houston here. I feel like Liberty's going to have a lot of success offensively. Um, it, it, you know, they, Liberty runs the ball a lot. And like I said, Sam Houston's been good against the run, but they haven't seen a run offense like this. So I, I'm, I'm going to say that, uh, if I had to play this one, it would be, it'd be the flames. Yeah, that's what I would go with as well. Uh, in the other game, we have Western Kentucky at Louisiana Tech. Western Kentucky laying six. This was a team that I bet on last week against Middle Tennessee. I don't think it's going to be that big of a uh, disparity like it was last week when they won by three touchdowns, but I do think they get the win here on the road at Louisiana Tech. I just like the way that Austin Reed is playing quarterback right now. And the thing that, you know, we haven't seen this offense actually explode yet. And I just think that they're, it almost reminds me of like, oh, we're waiting for the Eagles to turn it on. Like, we're, I'm waiting for this Western Kentucky offense to like kick it into high gear. Yeah, 31 points last week, but like, I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, for them to look like 
what they looked like against uh, Houston Christian or, or earlier in the season. I'm waiting for them to explode, AJ. Yeah, I, I just don't know if that's coming. Like, I, I don't know if this is like everybody's expecting it to be like it was when Bailey Zappi was there. And I, I just don't know that that's it. Uh, Bachmeyer being back, like they he, when he was gone, they lost to Nebraska. They they beat UTEP. Um, I, I expect him to be back this week, although I guess we, we don't really know. But their offense has been pretty good. They've got a great wide receiver in Smoke Harris. Um, they run the ball well and the defense where they're strong is against the pass. This is like one of the probably three or four best G five secondaries in the country. I think they can give Western Kentucky problems. I think this is an under game. I think this is priced like, like the old, not quite like Bailey Zappi era, uh, Western Mm. Kentucky, but for an offense that we haven't seen put up the numbers that we expected this year in Western Kentucky going up against this defense, I feel like it's going to uh, it's it's going to be a low scoring game. So uh, if I had to make a play on either of the games tonight, it'd be on the under in this one. And Western Kentucky hasn't won a game on the road yet. I mean, they lose at Ohio State. Obviously, who cares about that? But they lost at Troy 27-24. Their three wins are at home. The South Florida win was impressive last week against Mid-Tennessee is whatever. But they have yet to win a road game. And you want to talk about a potential look ahead spot. They do take on Jacksonville State in their next game. So if you're looking at conference uh, foes, I mean, we just saw Jacksonville State uh, put up a ton of points and improve to 3-0 and in the conference. Maybe a little bit of a look ahead. Uh, you know, that could be something on the horizon. Make sure you guys head to pregame.com. Check out the variety of incredible discounts we have available for you on pregame.com right now. Look, Major League Baseball postseason is in full swing. I'm 5-1. and one. In my postseason plays in the baseball season, we also got NFL, college football, cooking, and NBA and NHL are right around the corner. You can get my NHL all-access package. Go right ahead. Go to pregame.com. Take care of that. Or McKenzie's NBA package. That's all available for you at pregame.com. And we're going to give you $15 to spend on the website. So here's what you got to do. You go to pregame.com and you use the promo code Taylor 15, T A Y L O R 15. Taylor 15 is going to get you $15 off anything you'd like at pregame.com. And with most daily best bet packages priced at around $25, you can get a three star best bet for like $10 if you take $15 off that. So use the promo code Taylor 15. Yes, that's right. The code is for you know who. Taylor 15 is going to get you $15 to spend at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Sessler. We are straight out of Vegas AM.